0: Welcome to the Scripture podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. Very happy to keep going through Luke with you today. Luke continues to just get our attention at every turn with the way he is using his literary structures and bringing things together. We are gonna end this little section on acceptance and rejection right now. Who's gonna accept the message? Who's not going to? Who's gonna reject it? Um, We began this section, interestingly enough, in uh with a passage about Samaritans and where where the, the apostles mm-hmm. weren't so sure they wanted to accept the Samaritans right. after the Samaritans had rejected the preaching or message of Jesus as he was coming to one of the Samaritan villages and they didn't want him there and they rejected him and so the apostles wanted to in turn reject them with fire from heaven. So it was really and <laughs> it would have been I don't a very know, devastating moment. About, I
1: can't remember did we talk about who the Samaritans are?
0: Yeah, um, we we only briefly, Squinkly. I think, mentioned, but they're that, yeah, what group they are, and we'll see them even more clearly today okay. uh, as we go over this. But they are that group. Did you want to go ahead and explain that a little bit? How the Samaritans come about?
1: Well, they were part there when Northern Israel um, and Southern Israel divided, mm-hmm. and yes. there was Judah and Northern Israel. Right then. The people who were taken away in captivity in northern Israel were kind of just uh, divided up and thrown to the wind.
0: Yeah, they, when the Assyrians came in and devastated right. north Israel, yes, they then, didn't then,
1: stay together right. as a people mm-hmm. and kind of lost their identity.
0: Right, became intermarried, that kind of thing. Right. So they didn't have. The and same so
1: the, the Samaritans are really the ones of them that are left that are still. Mm-hmm. Um, there, but they've been they've intermarried, and they really only um go by the the first five books of the Bible,
0: the right, Torah right. Mm-hmm.
1: That's their Bible,
0: yes. Um, and, and they, they worship. don't
1: worship in Jerusalem right they worship, worship on
0: Mount Gerizim
1: right. So they have when we read about them, that's why though, the Israelites, which would have been southern Israel that was mm-hmm.
0: Well, what? Yeah, the Judaites, right. which were the true true Israel, in, as far as anybody in Judah's in the concerned. New Testament, yeah, um,
1: they have never accepted the Samaritans. They think they're, you know,
0: their bloodline's been yeah. mixed up. They can't even trace themselves straight back to Abraham anymore through Jewish bloodline. So, so they're, they're still divided. They're outside. Yeah,
1: and they're but they live breeds. close by, right? Yeah. And they don't worship at the same place, mm-hmm. and they don't worship. They don't. um, Consider all the, all of the scriptures religion. the same mm-hmm. way. Yep. So um, there's just kind of this big dividing line. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when we read about it in scripture, that's why the Samaritans always seem so bad.
0: Yeah. And they get their name Samaritan from the capital city of North Israel. When, when they ever, they divided Samaria Samaria was their capital. And so they all are just termed Samaritans as a group, a bunch of people who are connected to the worship in Samaria, which would be, you know, bad worship. I mean, obviously it's not in Jerusalem where God's temple is. So, so as
1: we go through these stories, we hear that. And I think sometimes, um, we just may not be very cognizant of mm-hmm. who these people are, why there is such a dividing line. yes, and um, almost a hatred,
0: yeah, really, two. really, yeah, very much kind of a hatred, kind of a daily the way it played out was very much, you're another race, we're another race, we hate you, um, we don't care for you. and they and they felt this way from both directions because oh. they were just you know, over the generations, it was very just a distinct marker. Y'all hate us. We hate you.
1: But they're really family.
0: Yeah. The, yeah. In a very <laughs> real sense. They're still connected. Blood related.
1: It just brings a lot of background to the stories that we're reading because it doesn't make sense to us. Mm-hmm. But if you know that, then it helps kind of. It makes the stories even deeper. Yes. Yeah. And Jesus says to the Samaritan woman mm-hmm. what he does or to, you know. Yep. It makes that so much more important.
0: Oh, yes, very much more. And uh, we're going to, so that's the same kind of thing that's going to come out mm-hmm. today as we continue to read toward the end of verse 10, or <laughs> verse 10, chapter 10 <laughs> um, in Luke. And so he's he's going to really give them this, this interesting thing that's about to happen here. And it's going to, it's become one of the more maybe well known uh, stories and parables that Jesus has ever told and will ever tell this Good Samaritan idea, the words now even get thrown around among very much non-churchgoers, non-Bible believers or uh, people who don't know anything about the Bible. We'll use the term Good Samaritan because it is such a part of our culture now. So, So even as we talk about this. Um, it is, these are the kinds of things that have gone become so embedded that are straight out of scripture, but that people are using that don't even realize how, how scripture connected they right. are. So this is one of those. Um, when, before we start reading, this is the, the interesting thing is there is something that is very, very closely connected to this that we find in our Old Testaments. Right. But kind we, of a
1: background to this story. Yeah. And we yeah. don't realize it, but I am certain that Jesus had this story in mind.
0: Yeah. Seems like he had. He was uh, I mean, no telling way.
1: this story. Plus yeah. the lawyers there who were listening would know this.
0: Probably story. your common people would know it, but without question, a lawyer, scribe, Pharisee, there's no way that they would hear a parable like this from Jesus and their minds not be able to make some connection like this directly with this in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So, so we are going to start today in Second Chronicles. A lot of people may never open to 2nd Chronicles or mm-hmm. know a thing about Second Chronicles, but we're going to start there today in chapter 28, verse 1, and read through 15. And as you listen to this, if you will just kind of keep in mind, I'm listening for things that might that I might know from, and we'll read it in a minute, but from that parable of the good Samaritan, you're going to just try and listen closely because you're about to hear some connections whenever we read that parable that will draw you right back uh, to this. Yes, So don't get,
1: uh, it's more toward the end of the reading that you'll be hearing that
0: mm-hmm. but yes. the first
1: part of the reading will give us a little background. Yeah, so. we
0: need that background too. Yeah. So know that whenever this period starts, Israel and Judah, the northern kingdom and the southern have already divided and there's already animosity between the two. So that's how that's how we're going to begin at a time when that's what's taking place in Israel. Okay.
1: Okay, okay I'm reading from Second Chronicles 28, verses 1 through 15. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals, and he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and burned his sons as an offering according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Therefore the Lord his God gave him into the hand of the king of Syria who defeated him and took captive a great number of his people and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the land, or into the hand of the king of Israel, who struck him with great force. For Pica, the son of Remaliah, killed hundred and twenty thousand from Judah in one day, all of them men of valor, because he had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. And Zikri, the mighty man of Ephraim, killed uh, Maasiah, the king's son, and Asri. Uh, let's see. As Rikam, the commander of the palace, and Elkanah, the next in authority to the king. The men of Israel took 200,000 of their relatives, women, sons, and daughters. They also took much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded, and he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold! Because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have killed them in a, in a rage that has reached up to heaven. And now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves. Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me and send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Certain chiefs also of the men of Ephraim, Azariah, the son of Johanan, Berechiah, the son of Mich- uh, Jez- uh, let's see Jehazakiah, the son of Shalom, and Amasa, the son of Hadli, Had- yeah, that's right, stood up against those who were coming from the war and said to them, you shall not bring the captives in here, for you propose to bring up upon us guilt against the Lord in addition to our present sins and guilt for our guilt is already great and there's fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes and all the assembly and the men who had been, who have been mentioned by name rose and took the captives and with the spoil, they clothed all who were naked among them. They clothed them, gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink and anointed them and carrying all the feeble among them on donkeys, they brought them to their kinsfolk at Jer- Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. Well, Sorry about that reading a little rough there.
0: <laughs> lots of names though, <laughs> I understand. Okay, so that's the story from Second Chronicles 28, um, which is about, again, the two of these relatives, which they strictly are all Israelites mm-hmm but have fought against one another god brought north israel onto south israel or judah to to exact some punishment because of how far off track judah had gotten uh, and then what that led to as they were
1: right. so the samaritans back were gonna, had taken them captive mm-hmm. and were taking them back to make them slaves and, yep.
0: and uh, then both the prophet first and then some of their leading community leaders came out and said how dare you take your relatives, your very relatives captive and punish them in this way? God gave you, God gave them into your hand for punishment, but you have done it in anger and fierceness and have, you know, done this horrible right. thing. And now you're going to use them as your slaves. How dare you? We're, we're not going to bring more sin on ourselves. Right. We're doing the, We've done the same we're thing. We're doing the same done. thing. Yeah. Yep. So we're not going to bring more sin on ourselves by compounding it that way. And then they take from the actual spoil that they've gotten and use it to bandage and feed and help these ones who are injured, who are from, these are Samaritans that are helping these injured people from Judah and then setting them on their own donkeys and then taking them to Jericho. I mean, it's a very family, interesting, back yes, back to where their relatives will be. Their families will be. Um, so yeah, this is so it's if amazing.
1: I don't remember ever hearing this story when I was growing up. Yeah, from the Old Testament. So, um,
0: and, and Lois de Verbergen, uh, is the one who I particularly read yeah. about who makes these connections. So I don't want to leave her name out too. She's really good about showing this connection. Right. Um, but now let's go forward to Luke chapter 10 and read verse 25 through 36. And so you're listening now for some of those connections as we read through here.
1: Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise.
0: Yeah, that is those readings are both really good. And you may already be hearing some of the ways those come together and connect a little bit uh, as we've read them both together like we just have Some of the things we don't know about this passage, maybe, or don't understand really, or haven't put together. I mean, a Samaritan wasn't just a person you uh, didn't think very highly of. These were the worst types of people you could imagine if you're a Jew in the first century. These were like your most hated group. The people that you really thought as kind of, uh, as non-people. I mean, they're, they're really not humans like we're humans. They're not people like we're people and so you have no concern for them just have no imagining in your mind of a way that you could truly come into contact and be on a, in any kind of any kind of uh, daily association or common ground kind of association with them. That is never going to happen. You hate them with all of your heart. Mm-hmm. So Ray Vanderlaan has made that point, how these are the, this, you got to really get in your mind, try to get in your mind a group that you are completely repulsed by. People that you truly think, just have no desire to be around.
1: I think for them, these had to be like, you were supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. But you know better, mm. and you're
0: doing. Maybe so, yeah. I don't
1: know. You've intermarried. You've, you know, you're not worshiping in Jerusalem. You're like mm-hmm. it just felt like such a slap in the face to them. I
0: yeah, think. right.
1: You know, uh, my brothers can hate each other more than
0: uh, <laughs> the yeah, more than others. So, yeah, right.
1: And then for Jesus to make the Samaritan kind of the hero of this story. Mm-hmm. When I think about that, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. These people here, li- this lawyer who's listening is.
0: Certainly going to have a hatred for Samaritans. Out, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, anyway. So whenever he starts talking here, the lawyer stands up and tries to put him to the test. We find that out right away mm-hmm. in verse 25. That's what the lawyer wants to do. This is not a, this is not just a friendly, hey, what would you say about this? This, this lawyer is trying to catch Jesus like so many of them are right. these days. Uh he yep, uptrap him. So he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus Just answers him with a question, which is very natural for Jesus to do. What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he, the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Which is a direct quote, the first part of it, the largest part of it, the first part is a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five, straight out of the Shema. So your vast majority of Jews are saying the Shema on a daily basis. They know this very well. And and it it's one way of answering a question that gets asked a lot. And so the When the lawyer asks it and Jesus responds, then the lawyer gives what would be considered a very, you know, worthy answer to the question. And he uses the Shema, part of the Shema first, and then he also includes, and your neighbor as yourself, which is Leviticus 19, 18. Well, Jesus in verse 28 is very pleased with this answer. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Okay. All that sounds kind of good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Answer question. We're all yes. Very, everybody should be good. Right. But then in verse 29, desiring to justify himself, the lawyer says to Jesus and who is my neighbor. Mm-hmm. So he wants to make sure even according to Jesus, who he's trying to test anyway, but let's see if this rabbi, I want to really, this is my, my big question here.
1: How many people do I have to love as myself?
0: Yeah. And this could be the question that he was driving toward the whole time. Mm -hmm. This could be where he wanted to go because apparently, and again, according to Ray Vanderlaan and, uh, and all of the immense Jewish history research he's done from the time, there was not a bigger theological debate than who is my neighbor at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, rabbis were debating, imagine the biggest debates you can have in churches and among theological people and religious people. He said it would have been right at the top, this idea of dis, just just uh, dissecting who is a neighbor. Who, must yeah, I who treat do I
1: have to be truly good well? to? And I yes. don't think that's really, I mean, when you were just saying that, it was just, it's in a, my head, I'm thinking, well, is there a bigger question today? <laughs> I
0: right. think
1: we don't say it that way. Right. But that's what we ask.
0: Yeah. And we, that's right. We do. I think we do ask that. We want, we're want we not going to say it like this because <laughs> then we'd sound right. just like the lawyer. But in our heads, we're kind of wanting to know.
1: Because we want to draw it okay lines, not to treat well? Who's in and who's out? Yeah. Who can I not like? Yeah. Who can I hate?
0: Yes, exactly. Who am I justified in hating? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the human heart has not changed, we no, find out?. Sadly. <laughs> and then Jesus answers it though by telling this parable about the man who's going down on a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. So the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, which is fraught with which was fraught with um problems and there robbers were known to to at times infest this road and you know they they had to really is a very um kind of taken taking your life, certainly your your possessions in your own hands, uh, in, in going and traveling on such a road. And it's often a difficult road. It can get to be about 18 inches wide from time to time and about 300 feet off the ground. And so, um, it is not the easiest road to pass and lots of places for it to Apparently be robbed and to be like hurt. The cartel and was yeah. operating on that road. I right. mean,
1: I think we have places like that too that we mm-hmm. really think we're not, that's not a safe place to go. That's right. not a safe road to use or, yep.
0: you know. So when this guy, this guy does get assaulted on the way, gets robbed, gets left beaten and half dead. It says in verse, at the end of verse 30, which, uh, which RVL again would say that was a technical term at the time among Jews, half dead, that this is a person who maybe is so close to death. They could die at any moment. And so the question became, do you help such a person? If you're in the position of, say, a priest. Mm-hmm. Now, the priests would be the Sadducee class. That's They were the ones who controlled the priesthood. They were Sadducees. They only believed in the Torah. And they that, Just I like mean, the
1: Samaritans. That the Torah was
0: inspired. <laughs> yeah, which is so interesting because that's Enemies, what the, all but... the, the Samaritans believed. Only the Torah was inspired. Well, the Sadducees did too. They knew about the other scriptures, of course, and read them and understood them. But but what we call scriptures, but really their inspired text was just Torah. And so here you have a priest and a Levite, both would be of the Sadducee class. Both know what's being said in places like Leviticus 21 about priests and even the high priest and how they need to stay clean, how important it is to stay clean and not come in contact with dead bodies. So they pass by this body of this man who's half dead, this technical term that they throw around to talk about whether or not you can help a person and they are not really making a according to the way they interpret the law and laws interpreted they're not making a bad choice here
1: they're following the law
0: yes really. yes absolutely the way they understand that they is are dead, following the law all dead well yeah because they could be <laughs> not could, just
1: mostly dead <laughs> but all dead
0: you could be bandaging them up and they could die mm-hmm. while you're dead that's how close they are to death and so better not to touch them and become unclean and not be able to do your priestly duties. And so now that now that that is in play, maybe the Levite and the priest, even though they can see him, they understand helping people is very important to God. And that's what you're supposed to do. But they also understand their position and what they're called to do and that they need to be able to provide worship and lead people and that kind of thing. So they go past him and don't do anything, which wouldn't necessarily be considered dishonorable. They're, they don't even time. get
1: close. They're that's walking right. on they're the other side. They're not even
0: close. Yeah.
1: far... I mean, this little road, but they're getting as far away from him
0: Mm -hmm. as they can. Yep. So. Now, then you might think, by the way, Jesus is telling the story that he's going to then say, and then a Pharisee came by. But the interesting thing is he doesn't. He goes straight to a Samaritan. Another person Mm -hmm. who, like you've already said, like the, like the. Sadducees. Sadducees. They only believe in Torah. Mm -hmm. They're only looking to those as their inspired scriptures and They don't care for Jews. They don't like Jews. There's no, there's true animosity between the two. But here the Samaritan comes by and seeing this man, he actually, even though he's half dead, touches him, cares for him, cares for his womb, finds him up, puts him on his own donkey, Takes him to an inn, has him laid up, and uses his own money to make sure that he's cared for. Okay, now our minds are going back to the other story. And he would have done this in Jericho. They were on their way to Jericho. Yeah. That's Which why. is unusual so, yeah. for
1: them to mention Jericho here.
0: Yeah. I, mean,
1: I don't think Jericho, Jesus didn't go to
0: Jericho. Uh yeah, he does go through okay. Jericho um at least uh, at least once. Okay. Um but but nevertheless we have this usually Jericho in parables, mentioned in this par, Right. The this parables don't get that like specific usually. Yes. I guess we have a specific place yeah. name. Um and so now the lawyer is his mind is gonna go back to that story we read earlier from 2nd Chronicles, right. which was about Samaritans who started doing the right thing by their relatives that they were yes they were convicted so they had they had been convicted because they were told you've done the same thing as them i mean Mm -hmm. you're you're just as worthy of punishment as they are god's handed them into our hands. sure but but now the the you want to even enslave them or our own brothers and take everything they have and just put them under a heavy boot. And we can't do that. It's not, we are not going to bring sin on us by doing that. So they, instead they wind up taking from the spoil that they got in their victory and using that to bandage and help and set them on their own donkeys on their animals, mm-hmm. take them to Jericho. I mean, all of this should be, and these are Samaritans who are doing this. So hearing that story, you would think this lawyer is going to be like, oh, my goodness, Mm -hmm. wait a second. Is he saying that we, that I, lawyer, scribe, person uh, who knows the law and tries to live by it so well, is he saying that I am under the same kind of sinfulness, have the same kind of sinfulness as these Samaritans? Like, I'm the one who's who's also, you know, uh, on a level playing field with them. And so, so sure enough, you've got to start asking yourself these questions because the neighbor is the Samaritan who helps. And we're supposed to be a good neighbor. We're supposed to treat our neighbors well. And the neighbor is the Samaritan. And so, oh my goodness, now all of a sudden the lines are being broken down again. I am, I'm, but Jesus wants me to find myself in the same position uh, as, as a Samaritan and really be willing to reach out in aid the same way Samaritans do in second Chronicles chapter 28 and really give assistance and treat with kindness and care this is all of this is wrapped up in here so it's not just a story about a good person who's helpful it's got all of this cultural baggage associated with it which is forcing you to realize that you you should be a better person than you're thinking you have to be. You're not going far enough.
1: Well, I think this takes me back to, um, the end of Luke five Mm -hmm. and some of the other places here in Luke where he's talking about, um, the fasting about, um, breaking the, you know, his disciples were, uh, rubbing the grain in their hands on the Sabbath. Uh, he healed the man's withered hand Mm -hmm. on the Sabbath and, all of the things that were look like they were breaking technically they were breaking the law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what he's, his point there as it, I think is here mm-hmm. is that the law is there as a guideline, mm-hmm. but the law does not trump mercy,
0: mercy, mercy right.
1: always trumps
0: righteousness or uh, uh, the law, like the sake, letter of the law. Yes. The letter of the and law. so
1: that's why, If there's a man with a withered hand that you can heal on the Sabbath. Yes. You wouldn't just let him sit there and
0: languish until the next day. He's
1: going to go ahead and do it. They're right there in front of him. Mm -hmm. And because that's mercy. Yeah. And that's. And what else are you going to show us? That's loving your neighbor.
0: Yeah. You're bringing true shalom on the Sabbath.
1: Right. But they had gotten it all wrong. Just like we have. Mm -hmm. By thinking, Oh, well, what do we have to do? Yeah. Where are the lines? That's right. And I want to do the letter of the law.
0: That's right. Dot my eyes, and forgetting my that
1: teeth. there are people, real human beings, mm-hmm. images of God yes. walking beside me who I need to
0: show mercy to. Mm-hmm.
1: And, that trumps, and that by doing
0: that, I'm truly living right. out God's That's word. That's really
1: the point of the law. Yes. Not the point of the law was really to help us to do that.
0: Yes. Right. That's what. So when really it gets
1: in the get way on. of us
0: doing that, mm-hmm. we're using it. Then well. it's not used right. That's oh man, that is so right, right there. That's our key. So. Look, we're drawing to a close on this thing, um, time wise. <laughs> Uh, hopefully you've gotten something from this, but seeing those connections to that old Testament story may be helping you in some ways to really, that you haven't seen before. Um, but there's no question once you read it closely, that same thing is happening. Mm -hmm. The same thing is happening in both those stories. Um, yeah, it's really beautiful. And so go be like those Samaritans back in second Chronicles, uh, chapter 28. If you really, I mean, and you know, a lawyer might not like to hear that good Jewish lawyer might not like to hear that, but go be like, go, go read that story again and be like those Samaritans. Whoa, because really you're just as guilty. You're just as much as they are. There's guilt on all sides here. So we're going to have to, going to have to really come together with mercy. Like you're saying, if we're going to live out what God wants us to as, as relatives, as brother, your brothers, for goodness sake, they're people who are connected to you, you should go and love them. So yeah, really important message. Well, thanks for joining us. Always glad to talk to you. As you know, we will be back in just a few days um, and continue on this journey through Luke, talk about Mary and Martha next time. So hope you have a great few days. God bless.